You are listening to The Message, a podcast by The Last Ghost. Please be advised, this episode may contain some bad language. Enjoy. Dramatic intro again. So uh, if you're here and you're listening to this, I hope it's because you've heard and ideally enjoyed episode one of this podcast. Uh, It delved into the past quite a bit and attempts to tell the kind of the origin story, how I kind of got from there to recording under the name of The Last Ghost. And then ultimately on to the, the record that, that's coming out on the 18th of September that this, this podcast is, is here to promote. So yeah, I had uh, some decent feedback on the on the podcast, episode one, which is which is really good because you never really, as I mentioned, you're never really sure if anybody will ever hear it or, or uh, be compelled to listen to it. So it's slow, obviously, and even if I get like 20 listeners or something, uh, as I've had already, it's a really, it's a small number, but you've got to start somewhere, and uh, the first episode, as I say, was a backstory, uh, origin story, and we'll get towards, more towards the kind of last ghost and the soul stuff in this, this episode as we go. It's funny, memory's a bit of a, a weird one, because... This is my recollection of events, you know, and my, the the recollection of the nineteen nineties and these bands I was in, and uh, yeah, it's, it's how I remember it. Others in the band might remember a couple of different bit of detail, or maybe uh, you know, sort of gig that I thought was on a Tuesday was actually a Wednesday and stuff like that. But I would say it's pretty. I'm a fairly reliable narrator, I think, around that period because it's a uh, it's a period I'm quite sort of fond and remember quite well. And it's 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 funny. I'll, I'll probably remember all that stuff more than remember what happened last week or last month. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed listening to that. And I know that the the guys who were in the band uh, with me and uh, and part of that that story and these kind of wee sort of memories that I mentioned have had a wee listen and, and kind of uh, came back with a couple of nice sort of comments already to just to say you know how how fondly they remember those days as well and how nice it is to hear hear somebody's recollection of that time. And I love to listen back to these these songs as well. And not not that you should have a a, a favourite, but I think listening back to those tracks, I have a, a real fondness for the, the song Hold On by by Rainmaker. That was the one I really liked listening to. Uh, the others were great as well and they're nice to hear. But uh, I don't know what it is with that one. I really like that. And uh, yeah, sorry, I, I was kind of trying to recollect it for some reason I thought that was a song that Alan had written on his own but it was actually a collaboration between Alan and Craig and uh, that was another thing I probably failed to mention yesterday it wasn't just people writing songs in isolation there was a lot of collaboration on these these songs as well so a lot of the songs of that period are credited to more than one person and sometimes they were a, a band effort or or there were two people writing together or uh, somebody on their own it was a real sort of mixture and it was a good creative time for us so I promised that this would be shorter. The, the last, uh, the first episode was quite long, uh, and you know I'm kind of learning as I go on this thing as well, and how to try and cut to the chase a bit. So apologies if an hour of your time was a bit much. This episode will be shorter again. <laughs> I can tell you that. Uh, but I kind of skirted over a bit of the period. So I mentioned the kind of end of Rainmaker, and uh, I just kind of vaguely mentioned that I was doing other things around that time, 
And uh, I never really went into detail what these other things were. And actually, some of that stuff is quite interesting in hindsight. So when I was kind of listening back to the podcast last night, I felt that I kind of just kind of maybe just skimmed over that bit a bit quickly. So I'm just going to spend a wee bit of time here talking about that period as well. So 1999, yep, found myself kind of bandless and uh, kind of retired from the music scene. Uh, and I was 23, you know, I felt old at that point, but looking back on it, you know, I wasn't an old an old guy and I did have a chance to uh, to kind of start again and do other things. At first, I probably didn't want to, uh, but a turning point for me was New Year's Day 1999. I'll just quickly just tell a wee quick story about that. So I just had a New Year 1999, 1998, sorry. I, I, I've never really liked New Year. I still don't. It's just not my thing at all. And I remember just being in the house alone in my parents' house at the time, and uh, on New Year's Day, a bit hungover probably, and a bit fed up, you know, there was no th- nothing on the horizon music-wise, and I didn't have much to do, uh, so I was just kind of fed up, so I thought, you know what, let's just get the bloody, I had a four-track, it was a four-track we used for the, the rain demos and stuff like that, that we heard on the last episode, and uh, I thought, ah, let's just set this thing up, chuck a microphone in it, pick up a wee acoustic guitar, and just just, just see what can come out, maybe try and write a song, uh, and I might start to just noodle around with that and maybe try and do a wee solo recording or something. I'm not quite sure what I thought. But anyway, that day I bashed out four songs in about an hour. Uh, two of them were really good. A couple of them were pretty forgettable. Much to my regret, I don't know where that tape is now. I think it probably still exists. I think somebody's probably got that tape. And I've got an idea uh, who's got it. I think they might have mentioned it to me at a gig uh, this year that they might have had that tape. So I will try and pursue that. And if I can find it... I'll play something from it because I'll be fascinated to hear what that sounds like now as well. But anyway, it was it was a kind of starting idea that I could do a band. And uh, my friend James at that point was looking to, to start a wee band as well. So him and I kind of pulled our songs together and started circulating them around uh, in, in, in Edinburgh to see if we could get a bit of interest. And, and we did, and we managed to get a wee band on the go that we called Ampersand. And it was quite enjoyable that period as well. It was just kind of starting again from scratch all the kind of, you know, contacts I had for, for gigs and uh, recordings and all that kind of thing. It was all kind of now time to, to completely start, to clear the decks and start again, which I didn't really want to do, to be honest, but it was kind of that or uh, or nothing. But I enjoyed this. This this kind of was, was good to, to start something and, and and take kind of control of it as well, to be the the, 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 the songwriter and the, the main guy in that band. So we managed to recruit a drummer and we got our friend Paul from uh, Trenton on guitar and Chris from the, the Rainmaker days as well came in and helped out on bass and we got a wee, a wee sort of thing together and started rehearsing songs uh, and it was it was quite good fun but it was never really going to go anywhere, it never really quite uh, felt the same, uh, it wasn't really the same as, as, as Rainmaker in terms of kind of long term or sustainability or, or ambition and uh, it wasn't that kind of tight gang of people who all knew each other. You know, the drummer who we brought in was great, but uh, it, it wasn't, you know, one of the, the old gang from, from, from our town and stuff like that. And it was just a bit different. Uh, and it was kind of doomed to failure to an extent, but it was great fun while it lasted. And, and it was always going to kind of implode. And it did big time. We did one gig. We managed one gig. And it was a really uh, sort of drunken affair an outdoor sort of festival thing out in East Lothian. Uh, and bizarrely, Rocco were on the on the bill as well. So it was kind of strange being in a different camp and a different band playing on the uh, on the same bill as that band. And that kind of felt a bit odd. But I remember the, the, the gig was, was shambolic. It was quite good, actually. There's a lot of decent moments in it. 
and uh, I'm glad we did it, but it was always kind of just sort of hanging by a thread, and I think we kind of knew before we took the stage that it was kind of done, and uh, James and I, who were the kind of sort of, it was our band, you know, it was our baby, it was our songs, we uh, just drank heavily from 10 o'clock in the morning until we were on it, I don't know what it was, 6 in the afternoon or something, and went on stage and just went nuts for half an hour, 40 minutes, and uh, I'd love to hear a recording of that somewhere that must exist as well uh, and it was shambolic and pretty pretty terrible probably but I reckon within that there had been some great moments as well and uh, yep glad I did that really enjoyed that period anyway after that uh, that kind of blew up it was back to the drawing board so 1999 uh, that was done and I had learned a lot from kind of starting a new band and, and to play with others as well because we played with a drummer who we didn't know who had a different background a different influence uh, and a couple of drummers came through that, that revolving door at the start so it was nice to play with different players and just to kind of get out of the old routines and play in a different style and also just to prove that I could kind of do it you know I could I could start something on my own from the beginning and I kind of knew the ropes by that point and how to take something from kind of nothing to to the stage and uh, that was that was all right and then I went back to just uh, yeah just just recorded my own demos again in the house I invested in a, a newer four track which at the time was state-of-the-art but it was limited it was still four tracks on a cassette uh, but that period was a great period of discipline for me to learn how to, to play the instruments in time to play them better uh, but I think the biggest thing I kind of got out of that was I started to write my own songs and uh, I started to think of myself more as a kind of solo guy and somebody who, who might want to start writing their own material and stuff like that and uh, harmony as well massive lessons in, in, in harmony because I had the freedom to, to layer up some vocals and harmonize with myself and my own voice and I think that was a I never really thought much about it at the time but now that I've come to do my own music in the last couple of years that's something that, uh, looking back, was a really good kind of training ground and a great place to sort of learn how the studio works. And when I say studio, you know, I'm talking about a four-track tape machine, but because it was limited, you'd have to be creative. You'd have to find ways to get around things with bouncing tracks, and it just gets you a good understanding of how to layer things up and how to be economical with tracks and stuff like that. Uh, a lot of limitations, you know, you made the mistake, you couldn't just punch back in. Uh, you could, but it was difficult. Uh, and you were limited with the kind of size of a tape as well. There was no, you know, hard drives and and all that stuff. No displays on the screen to keep your timing right. And uh, you know, it was it was a really really different time. That analog, kind of the end of that sort of analog age, but it was valuable. So anyway, I was trying to write some some songs around that period and to different degrees of success. Some of the stuff I was recording was was pretty strange and pretty out there instrumentals and weird kind of raps and stuff like that that the again exist on tapes somewhere and uh, again they'll probably be pretty bizarre to hear now but i did write a song around that period that gave me a lot of confidence and i knew that it was a good song it was one of the first times i wrote something where i thought that's good and i, and I know it's good uh, and this was a song called summer dog uh, and i shall play it now I, I do have the original demo and it's probably on youtube actually and it was a nice exercise in playing with a drum loop and layer things up and adding guitar and harmonies and it was quite a, a ambitious recording at, the, at that time and uh, I still got a lot of affection for that demo 
But anyway, uh, we'll play the song. I recorded an acoustic version of this a couple of years ago when I was starting to do this sort of Last Ghost thing. And I'd never played the song all the way through before on an acoustic guitar until then. I probably recorded this, I would say, I'd guess about two years ago. Uh, this is Summer Dog. <laughs>
Ah, summer dog. What a dog that was. So aye, so that was... Uh, I, I think that's still decent. I think that song has, has stood up alright. It's a 20-year-old song. And uh, I, I still think it's, it's alright. And some of the lyrics around that time, uh, when I was writing that in 2000, it says at the end, uh, I wish you'd help me write that song. Or I wish you'd help me write this song. Sorry. And that was probably just the wee kind of... The way I was feeling about, you know, having to do solo stuff and I could have done with uh, somebody from one of the old bands, uh, one of the writers, people like, you know, Alan or Craig or even James, the band I was in before, to, to, to help me write songs because I didn't really think I could do it on my own. But that was a wee confidence boost of that song because people liked that. Once I got the wee tape uh, distributed to that and people, I think, genuinely liked that song quite a lot. Uh, and it's still one I would play if I was doing a gig tomorrow. I would I would throw that in the set because I I think it holds up well. Anyway, what's the relevance of that? Talking about that kind of period and you know back to two thousand again. We'd already bloody got up to speed in the last episode, and now we're back to two thousand. But no, it's just I suppose it's I never really record much after that on my own. Uh, I did I did record on a wee bit now and again I'd, I'd set up stuff in, in in the house and and try the odd song and I maybe got a few songs down but nothing that ever really released or did anything with uh, so it, it was then another eighteen years probably after that so in twenty eighteen when I uh, started this this last ghost thing and started to do solo music so I didn't just dive in I didn't just wake up one day and start recording my own songs I think what I did was I picked up the acoustic guitar a lot. And uh, just kind of just bashed away that wee song ideas that I would record on my phone just to remember what they what they were. But also I got into just recording covers. I just got into playing cover versions on the guitar and just blasting them down because it was really easy to to record in decent quality onto your mobile phone. And then I uh, just chuck it up onto SoundCloud or one of these platforms and people could hear it right away. So that was quite new, you know, coming back to start recording my own music and that, that uh, made it so easy. It's so simple to, to record a quick acoustic cover or acoustic song and bash it on the internet straight away, which was a new a new world to come into, uh, you know, after so long away for kind of doing solo music. Having the, the luxury unlimited takes and then just chucking it out for free somewhere and uh, people being able to hear it right away, brilliant. So yeah, so before I play one of the sort of first or the first last official last ghost songs official to be recorded under that released under that name, uh, I just to give a wee flavour of the sort of stuff I was doing around that period, of just playing acoustic guitar again and just getting into kind of singing and 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 uh, and just just enjoying music uh, just for just for what it's worth, just me on a guitar one, which is really different because the album. That I have about to, to come out. I don't think there's any acoustic songs in that, and there's a lot of instrumentation, and the songs are quite kind of well padded out with a lot of tracks and a lot of stuff going on. But actually, the the kind of first thing, yeah, as I mentioned, in 2018, the first thing I kind of got into was just me on the acoustic guitar. I maybe sometimes put a harmony on it or something like that, but generally it was just wee live performances. This is a cover that I liked. Uh, this is a song by Noel Gallagher called "Dead in the Water," and uh, I took two or three takes to get this down because I thought it was quite quite emotional song and it's quite hard for me to, to play these kind of sort of songs on my own and acoustic guitars. I'm not really a, a, a guitarist, I'm not really a kind of solo performer, but this is, uh, yeah, this is Dead in the Water, this is my cover of that.
Ah, Dead in the Water, Noel Gallagher. I'd kind of forgotten uh, that Noel Gallagher could still write a song like that. I, I, I never really, his first solo album I thought was alright, and I never really listened much to the second one. I, I maybe listened to it once and it just, it just wasn't for me. Uh, and I've never really listened to him much since, but I, I stumbled upon that and I thought it was as close to something like Talk Tonight uh, that he'd written, you know, some really sort of heartfelt acoustic song, and it was great to hear him doing that again, and I, I loved that song, so I wanted to try and uh, try and record it. It's it doesn't come close to to, to his version, but it's uh, it's nice. So I, I still I still think it's a decent wee cover. Tonic is having sleepless nights because the last ghost doesn't he like his new music. I think he's I think he's doing all right. Anyway, this kind of uh, then sort of led on to me. Uh, recording my own songs or trying to demo songs and it never really quite worked. I was playing acoustic and I didn't really feel like writing on acoustic guitar and nothing was coming. It was the same old chords and the same old stuff I would try and write from when I was about 15 and it was doing nothing for me actually. I just kind of wasn't really that interested and I was getting nowhere. The breakthrough kind of came weird. Uh, 2018, I was just unable to sleep for a sort of period of that time. And uh, I woke up at two o'clock in the morning once with a wee idea that I just felt that I had to get down. So uh, I had a wee keyboard thing in the house, uh, like a kind of, and you could run it through uh, programs and free programs and in, in BandLab and record, and you could get like a Korg sort of sound. So I just started like with a drum loop, and I was playing this wee kind of Korg sound in sequence of chords. Uh, and I was thinking of Ian Brown's song, Set My Baby Free. There's a wee keyboard kind of intro on that. And I liked the sound of that, just a wee funny keyboard intro on a on a drum loop. But actually, what what inspired the song is quite weird. I've always liked the music of John Carpenter. He was the guy who directed Halloween and The Thing and loads of other great films. The good thing, well, the interesting thing to me is he, he kind of wrote the soundtrack for these films as well, which which would build a kind of mood and a bit of tension, and he would sometimes write scenes or, or dialogue or entire films even around these kind of soundscape ideas. Anyway, he made a film called Assault on Precinct 13 in the early 70s, which is a cult classic, and it's still a great film to watch to this day. I liked some of the stuff that he did in that. that he had a really kind of popular main theme and uh, it was really strong, but in the more reflective moments of the film, he had a kind of a sort of slowed down uh, incidental music piece on a keyboard, and it kind of sort of signified the emotional kind of parts of the film were, were, were coming, uh, and, and I loved that. And I think I probably watched that film, uh, maybe in the days leading up to this, and it was probably stuck in my head, but uh, I recorded the song called One More With Feeling, which is the first song that I released, which will play in a wee sec. Uh, but before I do... Here's a wee snippet from John Carpenter's theme to Assault and Precinct 13. Ah, how good is that? He's still making films. Still plays that music live with a band. His most famous... Uh, soundtrack was probably the, the theme tune, the really creepy music that he did for Halloween. Genius. Anyway, that kind of was probably what was in my head. In fact, it was almost definitely what was in my head when I recorded uh, this next song. When I wrote it and recorded it all in the same time, a couple of hours session. Uh, and the lyrics as well are quite literal. Uh, I wanted to just get a decent vocal takedown because it was getting really late in the morning and I was working on a couple of hours and 
uh, I thought to myself, yeah, you know, just one more we're feeling and then you can sleep. And that became the kind of lyrics and the kind of sort of theme for the song. Uh, this is One More With Feeling, the debut song uh, in 2018 from The Last Ghost. Dreaming, hoping, and Let it die. 
And if it sounds cinematic, then aye, it is because it's it's a rip off a movie soundtrack by John Carpenter. I say a rip off; it's a, a homage. I was trying to capture the the kind of feeling of that of that vibe. There's a wee gaff on the keyboard towards the end where it just goes whoop, and that's quite weird because I was I got frustrated when I was playing it and I just sort of just swiped the keyboard like that. I made that really weird kind of mistake. But actually, annoyingly, when I was trying to finish that one off, I don't know, really early in the morning, I was so tired, I deleted the the master by mistake. I completely lost it. I lost all the tracks and all the kind of the the multi-track version that would enable me to go back and fix mistakes. It was gone, and I was oh, I was I was I was not happy. I was pretty upset by it because I'd spent hours on it, and the idea was kind of gone. Uh, luckily, I had made a mix just before I kind of lost the whole thing. Uh, and I had to just stick with that. I couldn't get rid of that keyboard mistake, so I thought ah, it's going to have to just go out like that. It's a human thing to make a mistake in an otherwise kind of machine-sounding song. And uh, I don't know if I like it or not. When I hear it back now, I'm like, is that is that all right to have released it with that in it? Should I have just tried to start again? And then I just, ah, life's too short, man. Just let it go. It's done. So probably not everybody's cup of tea, that song, but it's uh, an important song for me because that was the beginning of kind of trying to do a wee solo thing uh, after you know, a wee bit of time away from music and stuff like that. So it did get me going and I still I still think it's alright and it still weirdly remains the most streamed song I've got on Spotify and, and uh, you know, you're talking like into the thousands, it's not done, it's not been streamed a million times or anything like that, but it's still the the most streamed and the most listened to the song. And I'm not quite sure why that is, but uh, it just remains so. So yeah, it gave me a bit of, uh, a bit of confidence that I wanted to, to, to do uh, other stuff. Uh, and then I set about doing an EP. Uh, and this was something that imaginatively was titled Extended Player. I think it's it's alright. It's it's uh, I've not really cracked the recording technique yet. It's still a kind of hybrid of stuff that sounds well recorded and stuff that sounds like it was recorded on a like a loaf of bread uh, uh, and a skip. So it's getting better. Uh, songs I'm starting to get a collection of songs together and. Just, just feeling that I can, I can start to do more than just a song at a time, uh, and yeah, this this next EP did actually get a lot of attention at the time and a lot of kind of radio play and stuff like that, which was quite, quite uh, interesting because I wasn't really sure what to expect. I didn't expect anything uh, when I when I put it together. I recorded bits and pieces at my friend Jed's studio in down in Bristol as well for this. And it's night and day because of the stuff that I recorded crudely in the house, sometimes on using a mobile phone with running BandLab rather than have a computer. And uh, so there's a big difference in the, in the quality, that the, the sound of the songs in this, which is a bit annoying when I listen back to it now because the equipment I've got now that I've just used for the album I've just finished out on the 18th of September, by the way, uh, I can get much better sounding and much clearer sounding more professionally record the songs now and I'd like to have a wee run at these songs again with the equipment I've got but I want it's, I've moved on and it's not going to happen but I sometimes uh, wish I'd kept these songs until I could have recorded them better 
but they're out there now. They're on Spotify. I'm not going to talk too much about this stuff because it's there. You can go and grab it and listen to it on uh, Spotify and YouTube, Amazon, all these kind of places. But I'll play one song from it. I think this was the one that probably did the best. It was probably the most played on radio and uh, I like it. It's called A Slow Dance. Strangely, it's a kind of blues sounding song and that's not music that I really know or, or particularly listen to. But uh, it just kind of evolved that way and uh, I think it's alright. I think it still kind of stands up this one from that first EP. This is A Slow Dance. Such a slow dance For a tall one Such a long time To be unhappy In the morning I'll face the sun I'll be so positive With everyone Such a slow dance For the Such a slow, slow dance. 
Slow dance. Boom. Propped end of it. So yeah, that was slow dance, and that's a good example of one of the songs. Uh, that, that actually sounds alright. It's, it's fairly professionally recorded. The vocals maybe not that clear, and uh, and maybe not at the sort of standard I would I would get later on for the for the the newer recordings and stuff like that. But it's it's alright. That it's pretty, it's pretty decent. Uh, and we did a couple. In fact, this year. We were. Uh, I was jamming with a couple of mates who I mentioned on the last podcast, Craig and Alan. The three of us were just jamming, uh, and we played that song. Uh, it was good to play an original together. It's probably the first time we've kind of played a new original together since uh, I don't know for, uh, us three anyway playing a new original song for the first time since nineteen ninety eight or something like that. And uh, I we did it justice. I was playing the drums on it. Alan was singing it. Craig on the bass. Uh, Alan playing guitar as well, obviously. And uh, I think we nailed it, and I like that version better, just a sort of live uh, in the studio version. Here's a wee snippet, actually. Version is much looser and, and really fun to play. Uh, we were never a blues band. The the bands that I mentioned, I was in with the, with these guys and that. But it's great to jam on, like, and I love that. I love that I've got a recording of that, of that being uh, laid down by with a band and that setting and playing in it as well. And just playing the drums, just sit at the back playing the drums and a bit of backing vocals on it. It was a massive thrill. That. So anyway, cut to a few months later. And uh, I did a second EP in the, this year, just kind of before all the madness of the lockdown. Uh, and it was a kind of sequel to that first EP. And it was imaginally, imaginatively enough, sort of titled Extended Player 2. And I think it upped my game a bit in this one. I think the, the, the sound of it was better. I think I had kind of perfected some recording techniques. I had uh, got a couple of... A in small investments in, in, in equipment, I uh, got a laptop and and uh, uh, audio input and, and uh, I kind of sort of mastered how to make a more clean sounding record by that point. So I think the second EP is a big step up sound wise from the first one. Uh, so yeah, I, I bridged the gap between the two EPs with a couple of sort of standalone songs and they're all on Spotify and uh, YouTube and Apple and Amazon and all that if you want to check them out. But anyway, this is something from the second EP. So I mentioned a wee snippet of that live song there that I just put on. I had Craig and Alan playing on it. So I invited them to play on my second EP on one of the songs. And it was a kind of Nirvana, uh, in utero period sounding song. And I was stuck in it for a long time and it was probably ready for the bin. Uh, and I got Craig to play a bit of bass on it and guitar and Alan to play some guitar. And it turned out to something pretty uh, that I ended up really liking. And it ended up going on the EP. This is something called, What Do You Want?
Oh, that's a harsh tune, that. And and the rest of the P is, is uh, has some moments of kind of pop and some clean production and some kind of accessible sounding songs. And then that thing just fires up at the end and just throws a grenade into the whole thing. I really like that, actually. I'm conscious that I did say at the start this would be a shorter episode than uh, than episode one and we're getting towards the same kind of time so I think it's time to wrap this journey up and if you've stayed with it again thank you very much. Uh, this is the end of this sort of transition so it's a kind of been an origin story part two I suppose but we're almost at the point now where I'm about to start recording the new album which I did. Uh, I commenced in April. Uh, this year 2020 and uh, between the EP and starting this album I chucked out a one last song just a standalone single the song was called uh, Wake Up The Night and I think it's at that point I thought it was the best song I'd ever done I was really excited about it and it was my attempt to write something upbeat and uh, something kind of you know short and catchy and uh, joyous and I think I just about succeeded but I'm going to just this is a bit strange. So the the, the version is as 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 released was 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 all these things, but I recorded a, another version of it for a radio station, a kind of live session for a a, a station in Germany. So I just kind of sat at the at the kitchen table, played some weird effects, and uh, kind of just bashed it down in one take with a microphone and a guitar. Uh, and I, this is the alternative version of this song because the, the real one's out there on YouTube and Spotify and all digital platforms if you want to go and look for it uh, and, it's, and, and it is one of my favourite songs I think it's a great song but the version I'm going to play here is a radio live version for uh, a radio station in Germany called Radio TFSC who've been really supportive of my music and uh, this is the alternative live lounge version of Wake Up The Night Thank you.
Nice. I like that version. It's a bit dreamy. It's a bit kind of strange, and it's a bit unlike the actual real song, which is, I say, much more uplifting and joyous. Anyway, we've done it. We've we've got through. We're now ready, or I'm now ready to talk about the new album, The Last Ghost. That's going to have to wait to the next episode now. Uh, so thanks for bearing with me. If you've got through the last two episodes, well done. It's been a journey through time and space. And I've really enjoyed talking about that stuff and I never really probably realised how much I had to say about it until I kind of sat here and uh, spoke into this mic. So yes, thank you very much for kind of staying around and, and, and listening. And yep, if you're interested in the new album, and I hope you are, out on the 18th of September, uh, the next episode we'll finally get into that and uh, I'll talk about that. I have been The Last Ghost. Thank you very much and goodbye for now. This has been The Message, a podcast by The Last Ghost. If you enjoyed this, please like it or subscribe to it, depending on what podcasting platform you use, or YouTube, thumbs up, subscribe, whatever it is that you do on these things. That would be greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. If you want to know any more about stuff that I'm doing, things that I'm saying, uh, please visit Twitter at The Last Ghost 3. That's all folks, goodbye. This is the message. This is the message. You can take it, you can take it.